this is a very big question. It's um, you see, the goals are different. Uh, the goal of Gautama's speaking, in this case, first of all, is for monks, not for lay people. I mean, lay people can apply this practice, but it's mainly for monks. It it is to prevent by uh, restraint of perception, restraining perception, which is guarding the sense doors. The the sense means the doors of perception that lead to the arising of sensation, and samskara and uh, attachment and uh, you know karmic load, guarding the the sense the the, the six. Uh, sense doors, six perception doors, so that one uh, doesn't encounter or doesn't dwell with objects of perception like food or uh, a beautiful figure or form uh, <clears throat> that would lead to the natural arising of uh, desire, grasping, and, and, uh, and ignorance, you know, grasping, aversion, and ignorance. And uh, that is uh, ultimately an adept practice, actually, because uh, the, the, the purpose of that uh, sense door guarding uh, and forced restraint against desires, I want to enjoy this food, uh, or I want to, or I feel lust or desire for a beautiful form or figure of a of a, of a person. Uh, those are natural desires, and the idea is, by an enforced, rigid, prohibition, um, one will not allow further development of um, the three poisons to grow in the mind so that the mind uh, being without those further uh, taints, ashravas, tendencies of desire and grasping mainly or grasping and aversion uh, so that the mind is uh, more more prepared to go into samadhi and and seek prajna or uh, insight and awakening uh, that easily of course gets into um, various forms of psychopathology if the practitioner um, includes aggression in their guarding of the sense doors meaning aggression against self or other right thinking women are the enemy or food is evil, or uh, body is hateful, or I am bad. It's a practice that is not appropriate uh, until a certain amount of uh, grasping and aversion are already uh, reduced significantly. And there's a unification of desire or intention only towards awakening, not towards other things, meaning the person not is is not in inner conflict i want to be enlightened but actually i really wish i had um you know a beautiful wife partner or the king's life or something so it's an advanced practice actually 
<clears throat> it's more suitable to ascetics or um, adept, adept path practitioners. Uh, it's, it can be very harmful when there's psychological conflict or if the mind is not prepared for that, meaning there hasn't already been significant reduction of grasping and aversion. Uh, and yes, it contrasts directly with Ra's teaching, uh, which is um, all things are proper at the right time for the entity, uh, and um, something I you know it's interesting. I forgot some of these quotes, but there there's certainly um, no prohibition against following um, desire from Ra's teaching except those desires that may be harmful to others. Those are recommended to be experienced in mind only. But uh, all other desires are uh, considered worth uh, considering and exploring or fulfilling, so long as, again, they're not harming self and other. Uh, but even those desires are treated in a very... Um, love over wisdom approach while well, Gautama's is a wisdom over love <laughs> meaning uh, Ra is really teaching uh, the the love based approach to healing lower chakra blockage while Gautama is teaching those not seeking harvestability but those um, seeking complete and perfect awakening um, with a more wisdom heavy approach uh, ultimately, I think at best, the, um, the, the, the unnecessary nature of desire associated with uh, sense and perception, meaning you just don't need to enjoy or make a big deal out of your food or keep looking at objects for pleasure or fantasize about what you want. It's just not necessary. You'd do better to just uh, guard the sense door and drop it. Now, that's an overview and simplification, but Gautama's approach uh, is not for the same audience as Ra's teaching, and Ra's teaching um, is the slow path, <laughs> not, the, not the fast path. Gautama's teaching is for those who are this teaching of guarding sense doors. Uh, is for those who can do it safely, not for those who would harm themselves psychologically by doing it. And Ra's teaching is uh, in many ways the gradual path or uh, for the layman or who is in Gautama's teaching also allowed or not uh, prohibited from enjoying sense pleasures. Uh, in some ways, Ra's approach uh, is safer, but it's also not necessary at higher levels of development in the sense that uh, desires overall are much reduced um, when lower chakra blockages are much released, or uh, you know when the blockages are gone, uh, there's less uh, growth in desire or appearance of desire. Therefore, there's less need to guard sense doors because there's less 
uh, intention seeking sensual pleasure. Uh, so uh, both approaches, I think, are very helpful. Uh, Gautama's approach should, is is not safe for those who are not ready. Actually, I would say, and Ra's approach also can lead to problems with um, further tangling within one's set of desires or attachment. Now, in the long run, if we're talking about multiple incarnations, uh, exploring all desires, the um, I forgot the quote. It's something the desire. It's not the original desires entities seek and become one, but yeah, yeah. That that's the proper role of um, the proper role means work or dimensionally appropriate uh, form of spiritual work in third density for an entity in third density is to experience all things desired and then analyze, accept, understand that and then go through the healing cycle and distilling love light uh, means finding the value valuable love or, or virtue for one's own well-being and wisdom or usage or value along one's path as a means of learning and growing in the desire and its fulfillment um, one may discover oh this is not helpful one may discover this is helpful somewhat nothing shall be overcome uh, and that which is not needed falls away right so that's the quote Oh, that approach is not a problem at all, but it has its own pitfalls. Uh, I prefer Ra's approach, but at certain levels of, of in certain in meditation, one can experience it, and in certain phases of one's life, when uh, for somebody who's doing meditation, um, the mind is very disinterested in materiality meaning all that, that arises and passes away um, by, by perception, meaning um, phenomena, material phenomena, and even thoughts themselves. One, become, one has a natural increased vairagya, or dispassion, or disinterest, or revulsion, or lack of um, disinterest, lack of caring, lack of uh, seeking uh, of all those phenomena then this kind of um, somewhat rigid uh, guarding of sense doors is natural. That's <laughs> very natural. It's not, it's not forced or artificial. Uh, yes, I believe after Gautama achieved full awakening under the Bodhi tree, according to the story, he spent seven days in the bliss of Nibban, the bliss of full awakening, and uh, was basically thinking uh, to stay that way and considering the issue of teaching considered that people were that the, 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 uh, the goal or um, the teaching necessary to, achieve, to, to show the path to the goal was too subtle too refined for humanity to grasp and therefore uh, did not intend to teach uh, and would have thus remained as uh, a Buddha enjoying um, complete liberation 
nothing more. Uh, and then the story goes, um, a deva, or maybe it was Brahma or Sakya, king of the gods, uh, a higher dimensional entity, appeared positive and uh, beseeched the Buddha Gautama uh, to teach that, saying something like, well, you're right, <laughs> the teaching is pretty subtle, uh, but there are some with not much dust in their eyes that can get it and therefore achieve liberation by your teaching, should you teach, thus, uh, great one, we beseech you to teach. And he agreed. So I think that's what you mean? Right. Yeah, well, just as I said, uh, after awakening, uh, seven days in the bliss of awakening, um, seeing the state of humanity, Gautama supposedly recognized that it was hopeless and uh, futile to teach. Then, a deva requested he do so, and he did so. Now, as to the matter of um, the monks or nuns who came after and achieved uh, complete perfect enlightenment, the spotless awakening, the Dhamma eye, uh, as far as I know, the vast majority of them, uh, nearly all, uh, lived out the full term of their lives after awakening, didn't uh, commit suicide, and their awakening was considered commensurate or essentially equal to his. However, their function was significantly different because they were not uh, world teachers as he. And so the work of a, a, a the awakening of a Buddha uh, and the awakening of an Arhat is the same. However, their function in the world is radically different. And it wasn't available for any of the monks and nuns who had complete and perfect awakening to become Buddhas, at least in this incarnation. Now, maybe on other worlds and in, in, in a future time or something, they would incarnate and become a, a future Buddha in some other world or something. Sure, that, that's very reasonable. But they didn't become Buddhas, they just became completely enlightened. <laughs> so that's a different matter. I think that's what you're saying. Right. I mean, a, a Buddha basically is first a fully awakened being, just the same as an Arhat. Uh, and secondly, has a world service, world teacher function that uh, fully awakened beings other than Buddhas don't have. But that's that's the only difference. Then there are marks, supposedly, on the body of a Buddha and signs associated with the incarnation and the life of a, of a Buddha. And that, that may be... Um, fanciful mythology or it may be metaphysical I don't really know because it's all complicated the different signs on the body of a Buddha and the, sign, the, the signs associated with his incarnation and lifespan that there are certain things that every Buddha goes through maybe yes, maybe no there really, unfortunately, really is mythologizing in Buddhism, even Pali canon texts, suttas from Pali language there is mythologizing and there is a very um, uh, very vocal discussion within the uh, researchers community or uh, scholars of 
uh, early Buddhism, as to which texts, which suttas came, the, the time and chronology of suttas added to the Pali Canon, some earlier, some later, uh, some mixed in with um, maybe even much later Mahayana's tendencies, and some that were even attributed to Gautama's own word, like Dhammapada. So, mm, there's the, it's it's quite complicated, but mm, yes, there's a big difference between the function of a Buddha and the function uh, or um, incarnational purpose or mission uh, of those who simply achieve complete and perfect uh, enlightenment. Um, yeah, this the story. This is again Buddhist mythology. How metaphysically accurate, I can't really say. The story, I believe, is that um, a a I think it was Brahma or Sakya, Shakya, uh, one of the gods, king of the gods, top god, big guy, uh, asked him to teach. And yes, that would not be a being outside of the seven dimensional system. It would be perhaps a six dimensional being, positively oriented, or a higher self level being. Or, uh, or an angelic, even. I mean, it could have certainly been an arch an archangel type, or an archangelic level being. I don't know. Well, divine is just a loose term. Our archangel, I use in the sense of six density, higher self level devas. Yeah, archangels. I'm using the term archangel, in my understanding, to indicate six density devas. Now, in Buddhism. Devas means any higher dimensional positive entity, which we would call ETs, and the Devic hierarchy. Angel meaning Deva. Deva in this mean being uh, beings of seven densities created by the Logos without free will. Whether they evolve or not is another matter. I would think that some of them uh, are created at, a, at particular dimensional levels for certain functions, and after those functions are finished, they return or absorbed into the into the logos. Yeah. Okay. So you know, on the on the chart on cosmic plan, there's a the deva hierarchy, the the angelic line. I I use the word angelic to only apply to um, what's called the angelic hierarchy. Deva and deva meaning shining radiant one. Again, the usage of the word deva in Hinduism and Buddhism is a little bit loose in that it seems that it applies to any higher dimensional positively oriented entity. Uh, but <clears throat> according to Theosophy, Alice Bailey, Ageless Wisdom, and also the Islamic tradition, and Ra, there is a distinct line, and also we can see in Howard Storm's example, there is a distinct line and I guess it's Christian theology too. There is a distinct line of higher dimensional beings without free will doing the work of the Logos that are basically we would call positively oriented. They're certainly not, you know, uh, operating to destroy or gain power. They're operating to fulfill the mandate or the requirements given to them by the Logos. So we would say that they are aligned with the positive, positively oriented beings. They're not service to self, but they're not really polarized because they don't have free will. 
but they're doing the work of the Logos at seven dimensional levels. They may be evolving, meaning after they successfully do their work, they evolve or graduate to a higher dimension or not. I use the term archangel to indicate devas or angelics of higher self level or sixth density. There are angelics at seven levels and six dimensional beings, six dimensional angelic deva beings, I would call archangels. Well, in Buddhism, uh, I don't believe that there is um, a, a view that uh, within higher dimensional realms there are both free will and non-free will based beings. I'm not sure if that has been determined. That has been stated in any Buddhist text that in higher dimensions we have some beings that are free will based and some that are not. In Christian and Islamic eschatology or uh, cosmologies, yes, I believe so. In uh, raw material and uh, Alice Bailey theosophy, yes, also. Uh, Hinduism, just not sure. Mm, but uh, the idea that at a certain time of night, every night, Gautama made time for devas to come and ask questions, the Buddhist use of the term deva in my limited understanding, means any higher dimensional positively oriented being. Not necessarily only those that are without free will or angelic hierarchy. So, the devas that could come at that time would be any higher dimensional entity, ultimately, um, mainly fourth and fifth and sixth density uh, positively oriented entities. That's not wanderers, they're positive entities. They didn't wander here to take birth, they're just coming to ask a question. So, positively oriented beings of, of any higher dimension, and possibly angelics also, but I just don't know how that works. Uh, perhaps six density angelics, but I don't use the word deva for higher self. Never. Yeah, first of all, uh, you have to understand the use of the term deva in Buddhism. Okay? As I said, the use of the term deva in Buddhism seems to me to apply to any higher dimensional positively oriented being. Period. Now, that would be fourth and fifth and sixth dimensional beings that we would call confederation groups that are positively oriented and obviously have free will. But I think that it surely could include what I'm calling angelic hierarchy beings uh, or angels which to me is uh, the western use or a more western or a more refined use of the term deva so in Buddhism certainly you can say that members of confederation groups are devas but I think that's not a good use of the term deva so I use that term deva to mean only angelic hierarchy beings without free will of higher dimensions or any dimension in the seven now <clears throat> do they think or not I would assume they do think but their thinking is only in accord with their their created purpose the purpose for which they were created so plant devas are created by the logos in order to facilitate the growth of plants the devas that, that work with humans um, are significantly fourth density 
uh, or at the level of what could be called soul, or uh, that which is midway between higher self, late sixth density, and the incarnated mind-body-spirit complex, or us in 3D, <clears throat> being uh, soul, in this case being different than higher self, being that which um, is composed of the distillation of love light from multiple incarnations learning. Right? The, uh, dis- the efficient use of catalyst equals distillation of love light from experience. <clears throat> or the fashioning of experience for distillation of love light. Meaning, uh, I'm using my life to learn how to develop uh, green and blue. Right? Learning how, learning what, what is acceptance and what is um, discernment. Learning the ways of love and light. That's the distillation of love light from experience or the efficient use of catalyst. That composes soul. That would be, to me, more of a fourth dimensional um, um, configuration. And, and the Bailey material did talk about the uh, solar angels or angels that are associated with soul, S-O-U-L being um, not the same as the monad or spirit. <laughs> okay, so getting a lot complicated here, but <clears throat> the angels or the angelics that, that for whom I'm using the term deva, which is a little bit of a non-Buddhist use, but is in accord with um, Christian, Islamic, and raw material, and Bailey theosophical, usage of the term deva or indication of beings without free will made by the logos those beings would be thinking only as far as necessary to fulfill their purpose and so like with howard storm right he met some entity who he thought was jesus or whatever he thought but the entity didn't say i'm an angel obviously or deva but just uh did what exactly was necessary for him in all cases first his healing then facilitating life review then showing him the future, then talking about his life purpose and his work, and uh, sending him on back. Now, uh, I would think that the devas like that, I think that that's an ent- entity is a deva, an angelic, and um, that entity said, we don't make mistakes. He said, you must make a mistake, I don't deserve to see the creator or God this way. They said, the entity said, we don't make mistakes. The devas don't make mistakes. I would say so, yes, because they don't have the free will to go against um, the will of the Father, the will of the Logos, or the purpose for which they're created. Humanity, or beings on the the free will line of evolution, that can go positive or negative, uh, with free will, uh, were were created not, not to facilitate the evolution of other beings, but to, by free will, uh, facilitate their own evolution back to Logos. Different purpose, actually. Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, I mean, your question, I think, boils down to are beings on the line of, the, the line of evolution by free will uh, out of contact with the Creator in some way uh, because of having free will? The veil, you, you see, it's all very complicated, of course. Um, the veil is uh, that which is logoic, uh, of logoic design for the consciousness of beings in third density physical. That's not the same as the law of free will. There was a law of free will before a veil. 
there were octaves established by Logoi closer to the center of the galaxy, supposedly, before the notion of veiling in 3D physical for consciousness was established. In those octaves, there were no two paths of polarity, and beings were unveiled in 3D physical, therefore without confusion, but without that confusion, they had little motivation to keep seeking. You can say the law of free will <clears throat> can be called the law of confusion, but it doesn't mean that beings were without free will before the veil. Well, as far as I know, um, beings had free will before the veiling in 3D consciousness, 3D mind or 3D physical incarnative mind. Then, um, <clears throat> certainly, beings that, you, you see, the angelic hierarchy, or the devas, as I'm using the term deva, don't have free will, they also don't have confusion, that doesn't mean they don't think, I assume they think as they need it. When, when a need for thought is present, like the Council of Saturn, they think. But only exclusively in fulfillment of their purpose. So Howard Storm threw some curves <laughs> to the entity he was being guided by, and the entity responded in various ways. Uh, was that the result of thought or not? Maybe yes, maybe no. Doesn't really matter. The purpose of thought uh, for the devas is exclusively in fulfillment of purpose, I would say. Same thing for a fully enlightened being. Same thing for a crystallized healer. Same thing for higher self. Although, as we see, <laughs> when Ra came down here uh, at, from the level of higher self, more or less, um, they, their activity led to grievous consequences and surely could be called a mistake though there are no mistakes in the law one. So, the non-obstructive, uh, the, the, the use of will that's non-obstructive, or, Ross said, the crystallized healer has no will. But that state of having no will, uh, which is, it really, I think, means no free will in opposition to the fulfillment of their purpose which may be service, but it certainly is continued soul evolution or entity evolution. There's no free will, there's no will in opposition to the, the, the way, their way of continued evolution. That's the case for crystallized healer, that's the case for higher self, that's the case for beings of sixth density and up, I'd say, that's the case uh, for the angelic hierarchy as a whole the devas that were without free will. And so you can certainly say they never forget the Father, while beings with free will fall into fog and error and deceit and plane and um, lose it, so or forget, and stray or wander into error. So that certainly happens. But you got to get, you got to consider the idea that, that the angelic hierarchy or the angelics the devas in that use um, are a separate line of evolution and very much akin to the entity that met Howard Storm because the entity that met Howard Storm uh, had no interest in anything other than helping Howard Storm's um, spiritual process 
completely response responsive to calling and nothing more in the way of knowing what's best and facilitating that so Howard Storm said I want to stay here don't take me back and the entity basically said sorry you got to go back so, you know whether you like it or not so the angels the devas um, always do the right thing so the whole notion of fallen angels I think is a bit suspect frankly although Ra did say that there is some there was some impression upon perhaps it doesn't it's, we'll see we'll see this later in the sessions but there was some kind of Orion or negative entity impression by mine upon the energy or consciousness of some group like angels or devas but they may have been first or second dimensional devas okay <laughs> so it's hard to say but normally they are sinless um, and live in the love light awareness of the father always it's a matter of how we're using words <clears throat> uh, in my view and I think from what you're saying you too can see or acknowledge that there are two different lines of evolution one has free will the other one doesn't the line that the line of evolution that has free will can split into the two paths of polarity <clears throat> positive negative service to other service to self the confederation and Orion fourth fifth sixth density and goes to higher self and is unified at that point that's the line of evolution with free will they obviously can quote make mistake or uh, fall or um, go to a lower dimension uh, and uh, have or, or, are evolving on the basis of free will then there's the notion of a line of evolution without free will and that can be called angelic but it's also in in theosophy they use the term deva also so and the Buddhist usage is any higher dimensional being the six paths of the incarnational cycle this means any being in all the octave so uh, this this Wikipedia entry you put here saying the term Deva uh, from whose perspective <laughs> okay now we can talk about that after but maybe a Buddhist Hindu maybe only Buddhist uh, probably Buddhist because the text saying the term deva refers to a class of beings or a path of the six paths of the incarnational cycle six paths being the six um, levels being there's already a problem the six paths of the incarnational cycle I believe refers to the Buddhist view that there are six classes of beings at the bottom hell or hungry ghost or at the bottom you can say animal realm the, the hell realm and hungry ghost that's the three states of woe animal hell realm which is lower astral I'd say and hungry ghost which is earthbound spirit then the human four then the devas and the asuras five and six now at that point saying that asuras are devas and that's a little bit problematic so to say that devas include beings <coughs> uh, a class of beings or a path of the six paths is really quite different 
So within the six paths of incarnation or the six states of being uh, in Buddhism, Deva is only one of them. Higher dimensional, positive. Then uh, th that's the idea of a class of beings. That's, however, only one of the six paths of incarnational cycle. Then different types of beings, which can be ranked hierarchically according to the merits they've accumulated over lifetimes. Sure, that's fine. So then we're only talking about the Deva class of the six paths, the Deva class of beings in the six paths. That's Buddhist. The lowest classes of the Deva, the lowest classes of these beings, meaning the Deva group of the six, are closer in their nature to human beings than to the higher classes of Deva. Those are the Devas of, of uh, Kama, Kama, um, Kama Loka, or the Desire Realm, which would be 3D astral, I would say. There are higher beings in the astral plane. Devas can be degraded to humans or beings in the three evil paths, meaning the three lower, the animal, hungry ghost, and hell realm, once they've consumed their merits, which means they can get out. Right, so it's a Buddhist view. So in the Buddhist view, as I said, uh, the Devas represent higher dimensional positively oriented beings because they came there, they got there by merit. They can fall and they can rise, and they have free will. But in my usage of the term Deva, I'm equating it only to um, an angelic hierarchy, which is a Western usage of the term Deva, theosophy. Now, some people say, don't do it that way. Okay, fine. But uh, because higher dimensional beings can or uh, higher dimensional positive beings are of all these different groups or different levels. Uh, I don't think that the term Deva is that useful. So I'm just saying that I use the term Deva a little bit differently than the Buddhist. That's all. And as I said, again, um, it's absolutely right. In the Buddhist cosmology, there are six paths of incarnation or six cycles, six paths in the six in the cycle of birth and death in, in samsara, which could be called the octave. And one of the six is called devas, and they're higher dimensional beings with merit, meaning of virtue, which means positively oriented to me. And then there's the line of evolution without free will, which I don't know if Gautama talked about, but uh, <clears throat> in some sources they're called devas too. But they're surely called angelics, but they don't have free will. And they may or may not evolve from whatever dimensional level they're working, but I'm using the term deva equate is synonymously with angelic. That's all. So, because to call Ra deva um, seems a little bit heavy on the um, mythological to me, because uh, they're surely not perfected, as devas are not, but they're not gods. And in Buddhism, deva is also used as a god. The term god is applied to devas. And neither higher dimensional positive beings with free will nor the angelics really could be called god. Uh, you know, there's no god but god, right? Meaning there's no creator, there, there's no deity in creation other than the one infinite creator. That's the only deity here. That's called monotheism, or, you know, deism with a single source. And to call higher dimensional angelics or higher dimensional free will based beings deities or gods, I think, is very mistaken. 
and Ra would say that too. We're just humble messengers of the law of one. They're they're very much like us in a sense, in that they progressed by um, by free will, experiencing joy and sorrow. But um, thank you for being here. So uh, thanks for being here, and thanks for the great questions. They're very um, challenging and um, uh, stimulating of thought <laughs> and um, hopefully a deeper understanding. So thank you again for that. Take good care and good night.